Hi, this is Ava Gallo, WICB's Jazz and Specialty Music Director. You're listening to Out to Lunch, where we discuss two prominent albums spanning all your favorite genres. Today on Out to Lunch, we'll talk about rock and roll, jazz, and two groundbreaking musical groups in the industry. The groups Chicago and Blood, Sweat, and Tears are known to be jazz and rock and roll fusion groups. Today we'll examine just how accurate that statement is and where the claim came from. Chicago is a rock band created in 1967. The band was first known as The Big Thing and was one of the first rock and roll bands to implement horns into their playing. Walter Parizader, one of the original band members, had gotten the idea to implement horns into rock and roll while he was studying music at DePaul University. In the pop music of the 1970s, using big band instrumentation and horns had died out and was really only used in R&B at this point. The band was discovered by Jimmy Jercio, who was a producer for CBS Records. It's their relationship with Jercio where Chicago and Blood, Sweat, and Tears are sometimes lumped together as groups with similar ideas. Jercio was running short on cash and was asked to produce Blood, Sweat, and Tears' second album. They were a jazz rock group on CBS's label. Jercio's ultimate goal was to get Chicago signed to CBS, so he asked the band's permission to produce Blood, Sweat, and Tears' album. The group had expressed their concern that this is another rock and roll group that uses horns. Jercio stated with honesty to the group that this would be an opportunity for him to learn how to record horns as a whole band because previously he had only recorded horns that did little licks throughout a piece. Chicago was a group with horns integrated in the band, not a band with backup horns. With Blood, Sweat, and Tears, the horns were recorded in a different way than Chicago's horns were. Chicago recounts that Blood, Sweat, and Tears was a jazz rock and roll band, while they, on the other hand, were a rock and roll band that utilized horns. After Blood, Sweat, and Tears faded, people began to coin Chicago as a jazz rock and roll band as well, but they were a rock and roll band with horns. Since Chicago has an insane amount of superb music, we'll look at their greatest hits album. The first Chicago track we'll talk about is 25 or 6 to 4. The song was written by Robert Lamb on a 12-string guitar missing the two low E strings, so really just a 10-string guitar. The lyrics were written in one day, and the message of the song is about the middle of the night. The title is a reference to the time the song is set, 25 or 26 minutes before 4 a.m. Since the song's title is uniquely phrased, some have interpreted the title to mean anything from a quantity of drugs or a famous person's name and code. The opening guitar riff is compared to chord progressions and riffs in other songs such as Green Day's Brain Stew, George Harrison's While My Guitar Gently Weeps, and Led Zeppelin's version of Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. The progression is a descending five-chord pattern played over four bars with the last two chords sharing the final bar. Listening to the track and paying close attention to the horns, the group truly sounds like a rock and roll group with horns implemented within. The horns have melodic lines and hits, but they occur in a chorus together, similar to that of a big band. However, this still doesn't classify them as a jazz rock and roll group because if you listen to the style of the music, the genre truly is rock and roll with horns implemented. Another important thing Chicago strived to do in their music was create different harmonic voices both in the vocals and in the horns. When Peter Cetera joined the group, they were finally able to achieve this sound as they had baritone voices and now a tenor voice. This harmonization and contrasting of voices can be heard on their track Saturday in the Park, also by Lamb. Whenever the horns come in, you can hear them in perfect harmony with each other, again likened to a jazz big band. Paying more attention to the voices in this track, there are a few points where the group utilizes harmonized backup vocals on an ooh or some of the lyrics, and they are in harmony with each other similar to a choir. 
They also share the lead vocal part, as you can hear different voices, which allows for a richer texture. They often will harmonize with each other on the main melody, which again allows for a richer and fuller texture. The harmonization in the group with the voices and the horns is so skillfully thought out for the group to still sound like a rock band with the horns implemented. The horns don't change the style, but add another layer and make the music more fulfilling to listen to, in my opinion. The inspiration for the song came from Central Park. Walter Parizader recalls that Robert Lamb saw steel drum players, singers, dancers, and jugglers in the park and was inspired to write the song. Lamb, however, states that he was looking back at footage he took in Central Park and wrote down ideas based on what he saw and experienced in Central Park and parks all over the world where people relax and enjoy spending time with each other. The last track we'll discuss is Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is, also written by Lamb. I think this song truly embodies Chicago's goal of having all the voices of the horns present. Right from the start of the piece, the horns begin in a chorus together and continue to play together underneath the lead vocals with dynamic shaping. While the horns continue on and begin to embody a sort of vamp, the backup vocals come in adding yet another harmonic choral layer. The harmonies in the horns and in the backup vocals create such a rich texture and harmonic structure that is so distinct for the group and truly sets them apart from other groups. While the horns continue on and begin to embody a sort of vamp, the backup vocals come in adding yet another harmonic choral layer. The harmonies in the horns and in the backup vocals create such a rich texture and harmonic structure that is so distinct for the group and truly sets them apart from other groups. Lamb stated he wrote the song to be quirky and not complicated. He didn't want the tune to be ordinary or blues-based or use ice cream changes, as he called them. He wanted the horns to shine and for trumpeter Lee Lonane to have a solo, and this was most definitely accomplished. I personally hear the horns as the shining part of this song, and the trumpet solo is so distinct to me. on to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. We'll look at their self-titled second album that was produced by Chicago's producer Jimmy Gersio. Blood, Sweat, and Tears recorded their own version of God Bless the Child, originally by Billie Holiday and Arthur Herzog Jr. The group's interpretation of the song was very interesting. The way they stylized the melody brought the track more towards the rock and roll sound for their fusion. However, the use of the horns was very similar to jazz and sounded just like a jazz big band. This track truly personifies the fusion of there being a rock and roll jazz group. The backbeat of the drum occasionally sounds like rock and roll while the comping sounds like jazz. This is truly a great track. I see the argument for where the music may sound similar to Chicago as they both utilize horns, but Blood, Sweat, and Tears still utilizes jazz elements rhythmically speaking where they use Latin beats and other comping beats and stylistically speaking such as trills and the trumpets. There is a horn break or a soli, which is very typical in big band music as well. This isn't something I heard or noticed often in Chicago. Their sound is overall more jazz with a rock influence, whereas Chicago sounds like a rock group that utilized the elements of big band horns. Moving on to Smiling Phases, which was originally written by Steve Winwood, Jim Capaldi, and Chris Wood. Again with this song, I don't see how Blood, Sweat, and Tears could be compared to Chicago. While they both are groups that use horns, they have very different sounds. Blood, Sweat, and Tears has an interesting sound particularly in this song. It's hard to pinpoint a particular genre. 
The vocal part in their music typically sounds like rock, while the instrumental influence are typically jazz. The piece also contains many instrumental solos that are lengthier, which brings their music more towards the style of jazz. This validates the point that they are a rock and roll jazz fusion group. Additionally, it's very common in jazz to quote-unquote cover other artists, whereas in rock you would typically write your own music. This can be seen with Blood, Sweat, and Tears as almost every song on their album is a cover from another artist. Finally, what makes Blood, Sweat, and Tears very different from Chicago is the fact that Chicago wrote all of their own music. The final track we'll discuss is Blues Part 2, which is the only track on the album written by Blood, Sweat, and Tears. What's interesting about this piece is that it utilizes the organ, which Chicago also utilizes on a lot of their pieces. The bass foot pedals on the organ are also used, which is how Chicago had bass in the very beginnings of their band before Peter Cetera joined the group. The song itself is 10 minutes in length, which is really typical for jazz pieces as well, showing the group's jazzier side of the fusion. This song swings super hard, which is different from any of Chicago's music. After listening to this album, I understand where the relationship between the two groups comes from since they had the same producer at one point and both utilize horns. But if you really dig in deep to both groups and their music, the horns and their producer are really the only thing the two groups have in common. This has been Out to Lunch, hosted by Ava Gallo, WICB's Jazz and Specialty Music Director. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any albums you'd like to hear about in our next episode, shoot me an email at jazz at New episodes air on the last Friday of every month.